is a Woodside Church podcast. Welcome everyone. If you haven't met me before, as we've said, I'm Ollie. I've been part of the family here for ages. Normally I'm in youth, um, and actually I haven't been in any of the preachers in here um, since we've started Romans 8, but I have listened to them online. Okay, I have listened to them online. And first of all, just to say thank you to everyone who has preached so far. It has been a great series. And if you're anything like me, four weeks ago, when they came up and said, we're preaching Romans 8, you're going, oh, that's a bit of a big one. That's a bit of a tricky one to go through. But you guys have said us so well. And God has spoken to us as a church. God has clearly spoken. And I, I'm praying that he continues to do so this morning, not only for my benefit, but for the benefit of all of us here. Um, if you haven't been here for the last four weeks, I thought it'd just be worth going over what we've covered so far, because we've already covered a lot of ground. Okay, so... The first week, we had an overview of the book, and we looked at the fact that there is no condemnation. That was the first four verses. There's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. We then moved on, looking at being spiritually alive, specifically through worship, having our identity in God. And we looked at then, specifically more on identity, and being adopted as sons and daughters of God. And then last week, we looked at being bringers of hope was waiting for our bodies to be made perfect and holy. And we spoke about groaning. And I, I heard you had a great time thinking about childbirth experiences. And John did a great job in describing it for us. And multiple people came to me after and said, I'm never having a child. That sounds awful. So John did a great job in describing to us the groaning that um, this, ver- this passage talks about. And then today, I get the job of preaching on just two verses which I'm not sure has ever happened before, because in youth we always preach on a theme or a whole kind of like topic, but we just get to look at two verses this morning, and they are verses 26 and 27. Um, And really, what I want to get across is that we, as people of God, are in partnership with the Spirit in all that we do. Okay. Now, there's still, even though we're looking at a, a few verses, there's still a lot of ground to cover. So what we're going to do, I'm going to read out the verse, but I'm going to stop at our first point, okay? So I'm going to stop at our first point. So can we have the verse up on the screen, Rich? Is that okay? Perfect. I'm going to stop at our first point. This is Romans 8, 26 to 27. And it says, likewise... You see, we have to stop at likewise. I know that's, I know that's a bit ironic, but we have to stop at likewise because it's saying what we're about to read is perfectly placed in context of what has just happened. Okay, and specifically for Paul, he he uses these connecting words more so than most people in the Bible, and they are significant for the flow of what he's saying. And historically, these two verses have kind of been almost viewed as a bit of a side note to what is the overall theme of assurance in Romans 8. But actually, it's Tom Wright who says that these verses, if not the climax of this whole chapter, are perfectly placed and fit within our theme. So when Paul uses likewise, it's saying these are really important to what we've just read and that whole context of no condemnation, being spiritually alive, that being to do with our identity and us groaning with hope as the world is in pain. So what we're about to read is perfectly placed, and I want you to remember that. And now we're actually going to read the whole verse, but that was just to raise your attention. Romans 8, 26, 27 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us, for groaning is too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. 
I'm just going to pray. Father, we thank you for how you have spoken to us this morning already. We thank you that as we remember on this day that you are with us and that you are the God that moves mountains. And Lord, as we just explore your word together, we pray that you speak to us afresh. In your gentleness and kindness, will you, will you speak to us? Let our hearts hear what you want us to hear this morning. Lord, I pray you use me well. Deliver what you want to say to your people. And I thank you that all we do is in partnership with your spirit, the gift that you gave us. And we pray that throughout this morning we are strengthened by that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 So we are basing our time this morning on 26 to 27 basing ourselves on the fact that we are in partnership with the Spirit. And my first point, I'm always going to do three points because I'm a creature of, I, I, I love habits. I always have three points for my preachers. And my first point is that the Spirit works through us. Okay? That the Spirit works through us. But to see this, because it's the likewise, we actually have to zoom out to zoom back in on our point again. And so, as I was researching, most of the scholars presented this kind of like general reading of Romans where they split up into three sections. And what's really good is in these three sections, there's a theme and then there's a, a journey we go to, to a climax and then the theme again. It's bookended by the same thing and the Bible does this loads and we need to pay attention to it. So if we were to read, split Romans up into three places, it would probably be, probably be like this, which is going to come up on the screen. And we have section one, which is generally verses 1 to 11. And in that we see that there is no condemnation because of Jesus, the Messiah's death, and the Spirit's life-giving power. So that's kind of an overview, albeit very brief, of the first section. And if we jump to the last section, we see that no condemnation comes up again. This time it's emphasized through the inseparable nature of the love shown in Jesus' death resurrection and ascension. So we start with no condemnation and we end with no condemnation, albeit emphasized through different ways. And in the middle, we see the role of the Spirit. We see that the Spirit leads us to an assurance of our identity in connection to God, adoption and sonship, as we've seen already, and in our inheritance, even when God's creation is groaning, as we saw last week. And for us this week, perhaps most importantly, it indicates that the Spirit equips us for one of our roles as God's creation on earth today. See, if we look at the work of God, we can see that it's working for us in regard to our inheritance, it's working in us in regard to our identity, and it's working through us in regard to our role, because we see that the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness, okay? but we also see that the Holy Spirit prays with us with groanings that cannot be expressed for words. Essentially, what we're seeing Romans 8 describe is a work of God that is beautifully Trinitarian. It's not just God the Father or God the Son, but it's all three of them working together. Okay, and it is clear that the Holy Spirit is working on our behalf. If we just look at our verse today, it says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings, too deep for words. Now, I just want to add a clarification here because you hear all the time that God is interceding for us as in about me for what I'm going through. And that is true, but it comes later on in Romans 8. What this is speaking about is the Holy Spirit praying for us as in on my behalf. 
So when we're facing things that essentially are too difficult to summarize or too difficult to bring to God, the Spirit is interceding and praying for us on our behalf and taking them to the Father. So again, we're instantly seeing this partnership with the Spirit we have. The question, though, that we, that we should have is why the Holy Spirit is having these groanings. If the Spirit doesn't have words, why is it involving us? Why is the Holy Spirit not just doing it? Why is it through us? And to help us, I'm just going to read this quote from Tom Wright. And just so you know, on the slides, I forgot to put the page number, hence why there's a hashtag. But if you want the page number of the quote, I can give that to you at the end. But Tom Wright says this. God has promised in Scripture to put the whole world right. Through the gospel, the events concerning Jesus, and their announcement in the power of the Holy Spirit, he puts humans right. Right. God always intended to work in his world through his image-bearing creatures. That's why the assurance of ultimate salvation, which is what Romans 8 is all about, contains within itself that stunning passage of vocation. And this describes how, by the Spirit, we are drawn into the suffering of the Messiah and through that into the paradoxically glorious task of praying to God the Father at the place where the world is in pain. Now, just to clarify this quote, when we read a stunning passage of vocation, it's talking about the role we have in partnering with the Spirit and interceding to, about the pain in the, in the earth. And where we see a reference to the paradoxically glorious task, it's even hard for me to say, it's talking about what that role is and does so by balancing the gloriousness of being able to pray for the Father alongside almost the difficulty in praying at what, about what the, the world is in pain. So it's got both feelings, and that's why it says it's paradoxically glorious. You see, we know that life on earth is not simple. And that's possibly the biggest understatement I could say on the stage. The world is in pain. As John described last week, it feels not right. And we only need to look at the news like Marion said this morning to see that, especially on a day like today. And then we think about our own situations, and often we are in pain as well. It's important to be honest, authentic, and realistic about that. But it's in these moments, I think, that when you're watching the news and you turn around to the person you're watching with and say, I just have no words for what's going on. I have no idea how to even approach praying for this. That the Spirit is praying on our behalf and bringing it to the Father. You see, Douglas Moo says this. He says that there is one in heaven the Son of God, who intercedes on our behalf, defending us from all the charges that might be brought against us, guaranteeing our salvation in the day of judgment. But there is also an intercessor in the heart, the Spirit of God, who effectively prays to the Father on our behalf throughout the difficulties and the uncertainties of our life here on earth. See, for me, this is really reassuring because my experience is that sometimes as suffering goes on, even though I know that biblically God can change things and prayer can change things, and I've seen it multiple times in this building, in communities, that actually the longer suffering goes on, the harder it can become to believe that that's true or to walk in the truth of the fact that God can change things. But it's also in these moments when we don't know what to do or how to approach God that the Holy Spirit partners with us in intercession. And it's when we focus on the one we're praying to beyond our circumstance because God is often the only thing that feels bigger than what we're praying about that we start 
our intercession in partnership with the Spirit. And this, this sounds exciting. It's something that we need to be a part of. We want to intercede with the Spirit and bring the situations of earth to God. But it's also hard. See, in speaking about intercession, Pete Gregg says this. Intercession is impossible until we allow the things that break God's heart to break our hearts as well. This is a responsibility we have, but it's difficult. And as I was preparing, I was reminded of the song Hosanna. It says, I'm not going to sing it, but it says, Break my heart for what breaks yours, everything I am for your kingdom's cause. And that's a great prayer to pray. We can pray, God, break my heart for what breaks yours, and then use me in my role in work, in my role as a human on earth, in intercessing to expand your kingdom, to pray for the people who are lost, to pray for the people who are in pain. And I encourage you on your way home, pop that on in the car. Reflect on it. Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I am for your kingdom's cause. You see, this is a hard track to follow. I don't want to come on here and say, it's going to be great, we're going to intercede, although that is fantastic. It's a hard track to follow because it means that we'll often be brokenhearted for what is going on in the world. But is that what we're feeling anyway, watching the news? That is the beginning of our partnership with God. And this verse is saying it's hard, that we'll feel desperate and weak, but it's also saying that this process is beautiful, important, and one that is gone and done in partnership with God. Okay? That's point one. The Holy Spirit works through us in intercession, bringing the pain of the world to the Father. Is that okay? Are we still with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah? So, the thing is, I didn't feel like we could speak about the groanings and bringing the pain of the earth without talking about processing pain. Okay? And this is, this is a big topic and one that you could do a whole series on, but I wanted to touch on this. And to do this, I wanted to go to the book of Psalms. Now, if you don't know, the book of the Psalms is wonderful. It's full of songs and poems, bringing every scenario to God, either in worship or processing pain. And I'm going to read part of the Psalms to us. It's from Psalm 22. I'm going to read the first five verses. And you might recognize some of it. It says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, in you our fathers trusted, they trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. That's a really powerful psalm, and if you are familiar with the story of the death of Jesus, you might recognize the first line. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And well, often this psalm is viewed in two ways. Either it's the, it's the lament of an inner, innocent sufferer that Jesus then referred to on, his, on the cross when he cried out to God, or it's a prophecy as to the suffering that Jesus was going through. And well, I think you could land either way. However, if Jesus in front of the people that mocked and scorned him, put on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And people in the scriptures use this to reflect on their life, to reflect through the pain we're going through. There's something we need to take from this. I have two questions for us here today. One, how well practiced are we at taking our pain to God? And the second question is, how well as a community do we cultivate a culture where that can happen and where we can walk alongside each other 
as it's happening. Because when someone is in, in pain or going through a hard time, there's nothing more beautiful than when a friend comes alongside and says, I'm going to walk alongside you. I'm going to come alongside you and we're going to do this journey together. How good are we as a community in doing that? See, we might be very good at doing it perhaps outside of this building in our friendships, but I also think there's a wider challenge. And as I was preparing this preach, as often is the case, you start hearing about the topic you're preaching on. Loads of people came up to me talking about suffering, how they use the Bible, how they reflect on it, their friendships within such. And as I was reading for my preparation, I came upon this quote, and it's from a pastor called Carl Smith. And this is his reflection on a pastoral situation he had. He said, while supporting a mother and children of a gentleman who had recently passed away, I learned something very significant about prayer and grief. It was a few months after his passing that I went to visit his widow. It was clear that grief was having a huge impact on her life. She was receiving help for this, which I was pleased to discover. But she said these words to me. I want to go to church but I find it hard being in public places because there are times that all I want to do is wail, to really let go and wail, and I don't think that would be appropriate in a church. Isn't that a little bit hard to take? It's not talking specifically about Woodside, but I think in reading that, my heart broke a little bit because this, is a, this should be a really safe place where anyone can come and process the pain that they are in. And interestingly, if we jump back to Wright's comments on the verses we're reading today, he says that Paul here seems to be radically applying the theology of the cross to the work of the Spirit in the church. We might suppose, or it may appear, that being filled with the Spirit means celebration, excitement, and being empowered. That is indeed often the case. But the Holy Spirit is the spirit of the creator God who grieves over his world gone wrong. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Jesus who went to the cross to defeat the powers of evil by bearing our sin and death. In a sense, this is a kind of spirit equivalent to Jesus' cry, my God, my God, why did you abandon me? See, if we see in the Bible evidence of Jesus crying out to God and in here this verse is hinting towards the spirit doing the same thing, we need to recognize that when facing times of trouble, difficulty, pain, and confusion, that we should take it to God and process it with God. And even reflecting on today, we'd have to conclude that if at consume tonight, everyone was crying and groaning and processing their pain with God rather than dancing and in excitement, that the Spirit has met with us just as effectively and thank God for us. And that's a challenge because that's not always what we imagine the scenarios to be, but that is what often partnership with the Spirit looks like. You see, crying and groaning is often one of the most deep connections we can have with God. The moments of intercession where we say, God, I need to take this to you. That's important for us to have in our practices. And God is inviting us to do so in partnership with the Spirit. So now on to point number three. You see, this has been probably quite heavy. I'm not, I know, especially on today of all days, it's a really interesting topic to bring forth. But I don't want you leaving here this morning feeling really daunted about what's to come. Albeit it's going to be hard, rather I want you to leave here knowing what is to come, but knowing that you're doing so in partnership with the Spirit. Okay, and my last point is this. 
is about the empowering nature of the Spirit. Okay, we read in our verse, it says, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, okay? And helps is kind of one of those English words that could mean pretty much anything. It's a bit like, I mean, help could literally mean anything. But in Greek, Greek has like words for everything, and if one word doesn't summarize it, they'll just put like two together to really get a picture of what is happening. So when we read, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, what the Greek is saying is perhaps something like this. You see, it's merged three words together. Okay. Now, I'm not an expert in Greek, but this is what a lot of people have said. If we view this word in separation, the sin part is talking about the Holy Spirit acting with us. The anti part is talking about how the Holy Spirit acts in our place. And the lambanetto part is talking about how the Holy Spirit carries us or in this scenario, carries us in our weakness. If you merge all those three statements together, that provides a really beautiful picture of what the help from the Spirit actually looks like. It's not just help as in, although it is coming alongside, it's so much more than that, and it's deeper than that, and it's more important than that. And it's really important that we understand this picture of what this partnership with the Spirit looks like. See, we can take faith that partnership with the Spirit is in our DNA, And Martin spoke on that a few weeks ago. If we look at verse 14 in Romans 8, it says that for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters. Therefore, in our partnership with the Spirit, we should be encouraged that it is exactly who we are. The very good creation of the Creator God. You see, interestingly, verse 14 uses the word ago. And that is to be led by someone to a very specific destination. Where are we being led by in the Spirit? We could also look at Galatians, which uses similar language, hence why I've picked these points. And Galatians 5.16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of flesh. And even a few verses later, we're told to keep in step with the Spirit. Okay. Now these verses all have similar language in common. And for me, this is leading us to the idea that we need to walk intentionally with the Spirit through whatever we're going through. Whether that be massive moments of joy or massive moments of pain, we need to intentionally walk with the Spirit in our partnership. It's something that does happen, but the more we push into it, the more we will be empowered, and it will be that beautiful picture of help. Not just helping, but a beautiful picture of walking through life. Okay. You see, it's not easy to walk through pain, what this verse is talking about, where, our groan, where the groanings too deep for words come in. But it does come with assurances and promises that will do so with partnership with the Spirit. And again, you could do a whole preaching series about what partnership with the Spirit looks like or even the work of the Holy Spirit. But I was just reading a few summaries in my preparation um, from a few theology books I had left over from my degree. Okay. And... A guy called, just as you do, just read theology books every now and then. Um, a guy called Wayne Grudem summarized the work like this that the Holy Spirit purifies, unifies, reveals, and empowers. That's a beautiful picture of who is helping us. And then another scholar called Millard Erickson summarizes it as, summarizes it as it's, the Holy Spirit teaches, indwells, 
intercedes, sanctifies, and he says empowers again. These characteristics are what we are in partnership with. And it's really important that we get to know who we're in partnership with because it will strengthen us and it will empower us as we walk through the pain of this world, which I hope you know I'm not underplaying. I'm just really focusing on the gloriousness of who we're in partnership with. You see, in the week I sent my notes to Martin to check over just to make sure they're okay, he said, perhaps it would be good to share something of yourself. And I haven't yet done that. And as I was praying yesterday, I was just praying about the preach, and God spoke to me. And he said, if you're going to speak about walking through pain and the ability to do so in the church, you have to be prepared to do it. You see, I've had a very, very privileged life. I've, I've always had a place to stay, food to eat, wonderful parents, friends, family. But in these last seven, eight weeks, perhaps it's been the time where I've done the most deep groaning, taking stuff to God. Probably the first time I've experienced what I think this verse is talking about. And as we've prayed in staff teams, I've said, I don't really have any words to describe what's going on. But please just pray. You see, this is what this verse is talking about. When, you, when there are situations where you have no words, where you have no idea where God is, where you're questioning, even perhaps like the psalm said, where he is in our scenarios, it's talking about how in partnership with the Spirit, we can come to God. And even though over the last six, seven weeks, life has been really, really tough, and I don't know where to go, I've managed to carry on. I've managed to still read my Bible and maintain relationships and go to work and all those things. And that has been done by the empowering nature of the Spirit. And that's really important to recognize. The Spirit is for us. God is for us. And as we walk through this pain, it's going to be hard. But there's assurances of who we're walking with. I have been endured and empowered. And those of you who know me a bit better have seen that process over the last seven weeks. I need to respond. That's why when I was praying yesterday, I realized I need to respond to God. Because actually, although I have gone through that process, it's really easy to come to church, say hi, do a bit of worship. Now I'm in youth. Talk to whoever I need to and go again. Albeit unintentionally, I'd probably avoided taking it completely to God until yesterday. It's really easy to have to rush back for a roast, albeit I think it's really nice. It will be really nice. But I think God's speaking to us today in saying to his children that we know is our assurance in our identity, come to me. All the pain in the world, all the pain in your lives, you can come to me, you can bring it to me, and I will sit with you and I will walk alongside you. Trust that you will be empowered. And that's a really vulnerable place to be, but I think next to the Father, in empowerment by the Spirit, is a beautiful place to be as well. And I don't know all your individual situations, but I know that, the, that God does, and that God knows exactly what we need. And so, I'm just about done, but we're going to respond. We're going to push into the Spirit. If the band can come back up, that'd be amazing. Um, because I feel like I need to respond, and we can always do with more of the Spirit.
just as the band come up and start playing, I'm playing, I'm going to pray. And we don't have any agenda for this time. Rather, what we want to do is just let the Spirit move. And I'd, and I'd encourage you with whatever is in your life right now, use this time to take it to God, knowing that you're empowered by the Spirit. Can we, if you're able, can we stand as I pray? Is that okay? Father, I thank you that you are with us through everything we're facing. That you're not someone far away, but through the Spirit you're indwelling in us. You're empowering us. And you're equipping us. And Lord, we thank you for this partnership we have in you. Just as we respond now, Father, would you show us parts of our world, parts of our life that we need to bring to you? Perhaps for those who would not yet say they're in partnership with the Spirit, create opportunity for that to happen. We want to use this time to seek you, to be refreshed by you. So Holy Spirit, come. Fill us afresh this morning. Refresh us this morning through all the pain of the world. Refresh us. Come Holy Spirit. Come fill us with peace. Come fill us with comfort. you move mountains, God. Would you come to those who are thirsty for you, thirsty for more. Come meet with us, Holy Spirit. You have been listening to a Woodside Church podcast. For more information, visit woodsidechurch.com.